Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 5-24-2023, and we're ready to begin our service this evening. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have uh, this evening together uh, in fellowship. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We are grateful that we are here. Father, we are so thankful for your grace, which has brought, has brought us into fellowship and salvation and our calling. We appreciate your, uh, your foresight as you have chosen us in him before the creation of the world. So we thank you for those who are joining and we pray for wisdom as we focus our attention. And Father, we stop for a moment to pray for the Haddon family on the loss of uh, Kenny this evening. Uh, we pray for each and every one of them and all that uh, his brothers and sisters. Um, we, so, Father, we are certainly uh, at a loss and grieving with regard to uh, his transition yesterday and from this life. So. As we continue, Father, we, we, with heavy hearts, ask for your comfort and your wisdom as decisions need to be made uh, going forward. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. So, you know, we have been studying in the book of Romans, and we're... Um, you should have notes. We're in Romans chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. So just to note, if there is anyone who is looking for information on past lessons that we've covered, that information can be found on our website. That's wordistruth.com. You could go to sermons. And there's the sermon archives, there's SoundCloud, so there's lots of different ways to, uh, to find information. But you can certainly find it there. So, we are going to forge ahead into what we want to talk about this evening. We have been talking about spiritual gifts. And this... This is not something you, you can just sit back and listen to. This is really something where everybody will have to participate because God has told us here in these verses that we all have a spiritual gift. And that function, uh, that whatever it is for each of us, well, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, is for the body. God has given us. So this is this is not a spectator sport, <laughs> as they say. This is a participation where we all are in one body together and we all have different functions. So we're, we're going to get to that. There's much to say about it. I don't know. We won't say the last word on spiritual gifts. There's always more to say. But we will do our best to cover it in enough detail that we should walk away with an under, a good understanding of what we are dealing with here. So in your notes, we're looking at 
aggressively two verses tonight. Romans 12, 7 and 8 says, If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So many are searching for their purpose in the church. Without an understanding of the Father's purpose, they may never understand how they fit into the church. They will be relegated to a life of childless, childness, childishness, sorry. Quotes, infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Unquote. That's Ephesians 4.14. They live for emotional stimulation and entertainment. These childish believers, quote, will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's 2 Timothy 4 and 3. So we, we made some, I would not say controversial statements, because controversial statements would be <laughs> questionable statements. I don't think they're controversial, um, but to the Christian world, they might be, because I may be treading on ground that they uh, put their trust in. For instance, I've talked about some of the gifts are temporary. How can I possibly say that? Well, I gave you the scripture last week where we dealt with that in good detail, where there are gifts that come to an end. The use of those gifts come to an end. And we discussed them in terms of 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, and I thought it was sufficient. If not, I would hope someone would say, Doug, what do you mean by saying such a thing? How did you get that? Why do you say such a thing? If you, if you ask those questions, we will have opportunity to talk about it even more. So uh, without those questions being asked, I thought we covered it. If not, the floor is going to be yours at the end as we'll have opportunity to discuss. Uh, make your case. If you think some of these temporary spiritual gifts are for today, you can, you can certainly make a make a case for it uh, i'm open to hear why you believe such a thing uh, especially in the light of the scriptures that we have all right so we're going to deal with these two <laughs> these two verses both deal with gifts so let's let's get into it so point number one if it is so you what's what is um preference Preferencing each of these phrases is this phrase, if it is. And that is, if your gift is this. And the if there means maybe it is and maybe it isn't. But, or if it is your gift, then you ought to f function according to it. So... I have, uh, in point number one, the gifts listed are those discovered by believers 
who have been transformed by the renewing of their minds. That's Romans 12, 2. And if you have a, well, I shouldn't say if you have a spiritual gift. I know you do. But whatever your spiritual gift is, it could be any of the ones we list here. Or it could be others that are not listed here. So you have a spiritual gift. We covered that from Ephesians 4, 7 and 1 Corinthians 12 where it gives the body analogy where the Corinthians took the gifts and uh, stretched them out of uh, measure. They did not, uh, they, it was the misuse of spiritual gifts when we read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and the problems it caused in their the Corinthian church. We're gonna, we've talked about it, we may have to touch on it more, but that is the context. So um, we said, if, you, if you're going to discover your gift, how would you know it? You can't do it by taking some test somebody designed. It, on, it can only come through the process of your mind being transformed renewing your mind according to the Father's eternal purpose. That's, that's what it's about. Point number two. All the giftings mentioned here are for the support of the Father's eternal purpose in this world. So, so we don't expect that you're going to have the function of these gifts when you get to heaven. They're, they're not for uh, the eternal state. They're for now, while we're on the ground. Our feet are, are, we have boots on the ground, on the battlefield. The giftings are for us and for our benefit. For As 1 Corinthians 12 would say, for the common good. Right? Or to serve others, uh, 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10. So, But they're here and they support the Father's purpose. If you ask, what is the Father doing? What is he trying to do in this world? We would have to say he is accomplishing his eternal purpose, which was hidden in him before time began. He did not reveal it to any creature. He now is revealing it, and, through, and the church is uh, the method of that revelation. Point number three. Therefore, we will not arrive at purposes to support Israel or some other individual life purpose. Now, this is important, and we're going to we're going to have to talk about it again. And I, and if you, I'm not going to apologize for constantly mentioning that all of these things are related. I'm trying to help us put together the gifts and the purposes. If you for the gifts, if we don't marry the gifts and the purposes, then we will be going nowhere we'll be spinning our wheels because the gifts are to an end they're not just well let me just bolster your confidence by giving you some superpower it's not that at all what god is doing with the gifts is contributing to the father's eternal purpose in this world and not to support israel uh, the, the church has a totally different purpose than Israel had and and it's not to support some of your individual life purposes now this is a, a tough one because when people or when I say people I would say churches don't teach the father's plan when they don't have the knowledge of the father's plan and that this is unique information that is distinguishable only 
through the New Testament epistles. It was only revealed. It's not revealed in the Old Testament at all. So when we, when we talk about how all of this is tied together, then we have to also say that people kind of fill in the blanks when they don't have the information. When they don't know what the Father's plan is, they fill in their own per plan. So this is what I mean by individual life purpose. So people are busy trying to fulfill their happiness, their dreams in this world. And all they want God for is to help them in that effort. If they had a good day, oh God, I didn't have a good day. Uh, or if they had a bad day, that's what they say, I didn't have a good day. If they have a good day, it's, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. He has blessed me today. Blessed you in what? What for what? For your purposes? What makes you happy? What makes, what fulfills what you think from Adam's perspective? The spiritual life is nothing of that. It is all about the Father's eternal purpose. I like what Paul said. I have been crucified with Christ. And he says, I no longer live. And that is so true when we think about the fact of who Paul was. He was Saul, the Pharisee. He, he says, that, that man is gone. He's dead. And it wasn't because he believed in Christ that that happened. It was because he, his mind was renewed. Lots of people have been saved, but that doesn't mean their minds are renewed. And the two, one means the fact that you're saved means you can have your mind renewed. Now it takes discipline. It takes you being a student of the word, rightly dividing the word of truth. So people have their own purpose. Their whole life is about pleasing them themselves, about getting the things around them that make them feel comfortable. It's about living the American dream. If I could just have a, a, ch a chicken in every pot, a house with the white picket fence, and on and on. That's, that's, our life is nothing of that. In fact, it says we're not even of this world. So it's not about our life purpose. That's a big one. You're going to find a lot of churches are teaching what should be your life purpose? Well, you should be moral. You should make sure you obey the laws and of the land and make sure you're respectable, go to church, you know, all that stuff. But they don't ever talk about what God's purpose for us is in this world. It's all about what you want to do. Well, what do you want to do? And God, if he's given you gifts, he's going to help you do it. That's it. So if we can't tie this together, this is a big one. I mean, just go listen to other people and say, well, what is it that they're trying to teach people? When they get to this point about what is the purpose of our lives here in this world, they're going to talk about witnessing. They're going to, they're going to talk about fulfilling your dreams and desires and ambitions and how God can help you do that. You can be the best you there is. That you will, have, you will rise above your problems. You will rise above debt. You will become prosperous. All these things they, they have, which are really carrots for you to live a life 
of lust in this world. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to relate your life to this end, the Father's eternal purpose. Now, you said, Doug, what is the Father's eternal purpose? Well, we've been talking about that for years now. So if you haven't tied it all together and, and, and understand that this is where you're supposed to go and the way you're supposed to go, then either you haven't been listening or I haven't done my job. But I know who is doing their job is God the Holy Spirit. So if I haven't done my job properly, he's doing his. So you're responsible to him, not to me. I'm going to do my best to continue. And I'm not going to apologize because I've talked about the Father's eternal purpose. And he's oh, here he goes again with that Father's eternal purpose. Yep, I go again. And it's going to be tomorrow and the next day because that is why we're here. Somebody says, well, why are you here? The Father's eternal purpose. All right, let's keep going. I'm sure we'll get to talk about the Father's eternal purpose more. Let's keep going. Point number four. Why are we gifted in the first place? Okay, well, we kind of covered some of this, but I just wanted to state them so that we have exactly what we're, we're dealing with here. Point A. We are not here and gifted to enhance our footprint in Adam. Most people can't get past that point, as we, we sort of illustrated already. But our footprint in Adam is who we are in Adam. Remember, I gave the, the scenario of how Paul was. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I am no longer live. Who he was, he's not that anymore. Now, of course, all this stuff, when it comes to salvation, is not necessary. You can be saved. In fact, you're not saved because you promised that you're going to do something for God. You're saved by grace. It's through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not from works, lest anyone should boast. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. So salvation is free. It does not require any of the things that we're talking about. However... It do, you cannot do any of the things we're talking about until you're saved eternally. So it, the, there's where you must be saved in order to live the spiritual life that I'm talking about, the Christian life. If you're not saved, well, then the objective for you is to be saved by grace. That means none of this stuff comes into play. Your gifting, your success, your failure. <laughs> I, I, I'm using my spiritual gift and know what it is. I don't know what it is. Never, never knew I had one, and I still don't know what it is. All, none of that matters when it comes to eternal. Ha you're having eternal life. You're in once you get the eternal life. Now, you, the option is: Will you grow up in Christ? If you grow up, you'll receive rewards. If you don't, you won't. Okay, so we're not here to, to enhance our footprint in Adam. I wish there could be like um, <laughs> like um, what happened in some one of those movies. I can't remember. Will Smith played in it. And, uh, and they were hunting aliens. This is silly, I know. They were hunting aliens. But after they, they were supposedly incognito. So whenever they were done and people knew who they were and they were this and they were aliens, they had this little pen that would come out 
they put on their glasses and they would the flash would happen and people would forget everything that they saw right <laughs> they would just go back to what they were doing before well if we had one of those pins where we could make you forget about your previous life in Adam so now you could start off with the understanding of the life of Christ flash the pin goes off and now forgetting like Paul says forgetting those things which are behind but pressing forward to that which is ahead and and if if we so we have we don't just have learning to do we have unlearning to do because of Adam we have pride about who we are the persons we are the space we occupy the jobs we had and all the things that are about us we love it we're we're important people in our eyes but what does god say about you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the air all of us were like that following our lusts and thoughts just we were following this you know this this is who we are there's none righteous, not even one. None who do good. We're all dead. That's who, how God sees us in Adam. Well, what do we see ourselves? Oh, oh, let me, I can't stop talking about who I am and what I've done and who I'm special and wow. But we need to flash that pen so we can forget about all that stuff because none of it is pleasing to God. We just want to be the big fish in a little pond here on the world. And that's not going to cut it. So, point B, we are not here for God to support our ambitions and dreams. I already gave the example of Galatians 2.20 where Paul said he's crucified with Christ. And he doesn't live anymore. He's not alive anymore. So God's not here to support our dreams, our ambitions. That's not why he's come you know with this mystery and all this stuff hid this information in himself for for centuries and now he's revealed it and people are like oh they're yawning they're like oh what what else god is this the same thing we've been talking about before but what's different god they don't see it the holy spirit is screaming but they're resisting the holy spirit you know why because their objective is to fulfill their own ambitions, what they think is important, or in other words, their plans, their dreams. Yeah, I remember we used, I used to sell real estate, and you know some of these um, some of these uh, real estate teachers, you know, salesmen, they would say, you know, you got to get a vision, you got to get a dream, you know, if you what do you want a house? Get a picture of that house and put it on the refrigerator every day. You look at that picture and you say, yes, that's my house. I'm going to be, I live in that house. If it's a car, you, get, you put that car on the refrigerator. Every day you look at that car and you look at it. It's your dream. And you know what? The universe will make that come to you. All that is foolishness when it comes to God and his plan. The fact is, we, we need to drop our plans. And to follow his. That's why First John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in, in him. What's the love of the Father? It's the love of the Father's plan is not in him. Because he's supplanted that 
with the love of the world. So we have to say these things because all of us were caught in this in Adam. All of us. We're out here doing the best for ourselves. That's what we're doing. And we should be doing the best for our, the father. And it's really about growing up because this is not something that you're going to tell a baby. Baby's not going to understand how to look away from themselves so that they could see a higher purpose for life. They're not going to see that. Babies want to live their life. They want what they want. If they don't get it, they're going to, they're going to cry. They're going to wail until they do. This is for the mature, says 1 Corinthians 2. This is for the mature. These are not just the milk of the word, but it's the deep things where we are able to understand why we're here, be able to attach the purpose for our being here to what God chose us and before eternity passed, and we'll be able to relate now. It's not just to know that he chose us, but to know that what he chose us for. And that's where. So, point C, we are gifted. We are gifted for each of us to participate in the Father's eternal purpose. That's Ephesians 3.11. I'll read it just so we have this. Ephesians 3.11, which we have read, says... According, to, well, let's go to 10. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he has accomplished, he accomplished in Christ Jesus as our Lord. That is not salvation passage. The whole Ephesians 3 is not about salvation, although many people have interpreted it that way so we now have been given the opportunity to participate in the father's eternal how we do it because we now can allow submit our lives to the father we can say father here i am use me do with do with me as you will where do you want to send me I'll go. What do you want me to say? I'll say. What, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm No longer is it me anymore. I'm not worried about my reputation, who I was, what people think about me. Not worried about that anymore. So we have an opportunity to participate in the Father's eternal purpose. That's the cause that God created all things in the first place can't be any higher cause than that. If you're wondering, is this a worthy cause? Will I be giving up my life to something that's worthy? Yes. Yes. This is as worthy as it gets. This is the reason why God created all things in the first place. So we, we've been gifted and given a role to participate. He didn't forget us. We're not insignificant to God. We, he sees us as important and able to function according to, the, with knowledge, of course, and wisdom, according to his eternal purpose. That's something. Each individual person. Now, in Israel, it might have been, okay, the priests, you know, there's prophets and priests, there's kings, they have a say. What about the individual Jew that just is of the tribe of, of Benjamin or something, or, or, or 
Judah or Nathaniel or Naphtali. What about, what about that? The individual person, you never even see them. Yes, they have a role, but here in the church, every single person is indwelt by the Spirit, sealed by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, baptized by the Spirit. I mean, literally, every person in the church is significant. It's not like Israel. So let's move on. Point number five. Time is a moving. So with point number five through ten, we just took all of those gifts that are mentioned. Uh, ser serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, uh, leading, uh, and showing mercy. Right? We took each one of them. And I just wanted to give you, so you have it for the record, the Greek words and the definitions for them. So we'll go through these quickly. It won't take us that long. and uh, But it's just definitions that you can gain from uh, reading the resources we have on ESORT. Serving. If it's serving, then what? Then serve. What is service? There's the Greek word for it. And it means, was diakonia. Diakonia. Service, especially of a Christian teacher or technically or the diaconate minister. Right? Office. Relief, service. These are ways it's used in Scripture. So, really, to serve, and if you remember, uh, a minister is a deacon. He's a minister. That's one of the ways it's translated. And when we look at Stephen, who was in uh, Acts chapter 7, and how he was stoned, and we, but before he was stoned, he gave this entire, we could say, rendition of the history of Judaism all the way up to Christ and how Christ fulfilled everything and he was the Christ the son of the living God and they were angry with him and they eventually stoned him Saul was there and so he was a deacon so a deacon doesn't just mean somebody who doesn't know <laughs> information who is ignorant of information a deacon is knowledgeable but there was so much put on uh, the apostles that they had to uh, give people the opportunity to, to help or to serve, right? If we say serve, you know, then this is, this is one of the roles that some people will have. It's going to be a support role. But just know, when we say support role, it does not mean that that person does not know anything. That person knows his mind has to have been transformed. He understands the deep things of God. That's a deacon. Teaching. If it's teaching, point number six, then teach. That's didasco. To teach, it means to teach, uh, simply to teach, right? To hold a dis... I liked what you could have... I had one, one um, Bible uh, dictionary or which said, oh, to teach, and they gave the Dasco, and it said simply to teach. I said, okay, we're going to need a little more. So Thayer had a little more. So it, it had a lot. I just added it all. To hold a discourse with others in order to instruct them. 
deliver didactic di discourses, to be a teacher, to discharge the office of a teacher, conduct oneself as a teacher, to teach one, to impart instruction, instill doctrine into one. The thing that taught enjoined, the thing, the thing taught or enjoined to explain or expound a thing, to teach one something. All that came from Thayer. Seven, encouraging. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. And there's uh, paracleto. So uh, to call near, that is to invite, invoke by impartation. Uh, Horation. In other words, to come together. Beseech, call for. Be of good comfort. Desire, give. Here, here's a common exp, um, definition. Exhort or exhortation. Entreat. Pray. All of that is encouraging. Now, remember, a person might say, well, I can lead, I can teach, I can do all these things, I can encourage. Yeah, you can. But these are gifts given by God, the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. He left nothing to chance. He left nothing of, of this to human power to accomplish the Father's eternal purpose. If you're going to accomplish the Father's eternal purpose, if you're going to do it, you have to have the filling of the Spirit. It is not because you thought, oh, you know, I'm just an encouraging person all the time. No, God's giving you what you need in order to fulfill His will. He didn't say, yeah, you just need to be this way. No, you need to be this way it's by the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, this is the result of the Spirit's work on your life when you say yes and you yield yourself to the Spirit. Okay, so that's exhortation. Then there's giving. If it is giving, then give generously. We must say that some people have the gift of giving. Isn't that interesting? I wonder, <laughs> I, was, I was playing around with this one in my head, I wonder if you got the gift of giving, does he give you the money or whatever it is you need, the land or whatever it is, so that you can give that? Or is he just saying, whatever you have, then you will give generously? So he's telling you, so it's interesting, we have the definition, we have the word giving, and then we have, then give generously. He's saying that this is how you, how you manifest that gift. You give. And there's the Greek word. It means to give over. That is to share, to give, impart. And that came, that came from strong. So notice, giving is something that God puts on your heart by means of the Holy Spirit. You have to acquiesce. You have to say yes, agree to it, submit to it. And then that manifestation happens. You give. Now, you know, in the beginning of the early church, <clears throat> when... There was a lot of persecution. There were many who gave. And, um, and a, lot, a lot of times they gave up everything for all the land. In fact, you know about Ananias and Sapphira who held back some of the money. But what we didn't get to it in the Galatians study we have on Sunday. But you're going to learn. Like we, we always talk about uh, Paul and Barnabas, you see those two names together in Acts, you're going to find uh, Barnabas was one who did give his land. 
and we'll read about it on Sundays. But the gift of, there is a gift of giving. Now, giving is not just by gift, because we're all instructed to give generously and to give unselfishly, not out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? He, that is true. He, he's not just saying those uh, have the, who have the gift of giving will, will give generously. And, uh, but he's, there's also the function of giving for every believer. We should know that. Nine, lead. If you have this gift, you would do it. He's saying do it diligently. And what does it mean? It means to stand before, that is, in other words, in first, right? Stand ahead of people so that they can follow you in rank, to preside, or by implication, to practice, maintain, be over, or rule. These are ways lead is, that word is used in the Bible. So uh, we got that from Strong. Show, remember, this is a gift, right? This is not some, some ability that we have. You might say, well, I'm pretty good at this. Well, you know, that doesn't mean that God's going to use that in the church. He doesn't use anything that we have from Adam. Nothing. Not your sparkling personality, Not your, none of that. It all comes from God. How we are to serve or respond to him. Show mercy. Here's another one. And you would think, we're supposed to just have these things, right? But these things are learned or discovered, as we said, as we have our minds renewed. We understand how to serve because we know um, to what end service is. Not just serving because we're servants. We're serving because we are part of a body. So what are we serving? The body of Christ. And um, that, that is the part of uh, our gifts. Right? Oh, actually, I'm on showing mercy. I'm skipping ahead, sorry. Uh, so, so to show, show mercy... Eliyahu, uh, to compassionate uh, by word or deed, specifically by divine grace. Have compassion or pity on, have, obtain, review, show, mercy. It is has to do with mercy. And he's saying do it cheerfully if you have that gift. So in all of this, it is to say, just remember, if these are gifts, and you might say, well, I, I'm, I'm this way anyway. I'm an encouraging person. I'm a leader, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a this. Well, whatever you were in Adam, it's not the same. I know people will be like, yeah, but that teaching stuff, that's not for me. Well, how do you know until you know what your spiritual gift is? Now, if you know what your spiritual gift is, of course, then it's not for you. But everyone who knows the deep things of God to me, can teach, can help, can lead. I'm not saying you all have the spiritual gifts, just like when we came to giving, right? We all have the, um, the command of God for us to give. But even if we don't give, God is satisfied because we're giving from the heart, not out of necessity, not because we, somebody said they needed it. I see a lot of people on TV talking about God told me that everybody's going to give $1,000 or $100 or something. The Bible clearly says don't give out of necessity. Well, then you've already disqualified 
yourself by asking somebody and telling them what to give. Can't do that. So point 11, we're moving forward. I see the time is moving forward too. Point 11, so there's a summation of uh, the gifts that we just went over. And uh, the thought here is we need to give some of the purpose for those gifts. And remember, we're going to make sure that we tie the, the purpose into the gift so that it is, the gift is not just hanging out there. Well, I'm a joyful person or I'm a this type of person. Uh, this is something that God is doing a work in your heart. And he's influencing you to walk into this new ability that you have, uh, that you've been given. So let's get it. So 11, then serve, right? I'm going back over the gifts again. It means that what are we serving? We're serving the body of Christ. We're not serving ourselves. We're not serving some other cause. And if we look at, I'm going to go to Romans, which is interesting. Some of this is played out right here in Romans. We didn't get to these verses yet, but there it is. So the first thought is verse 10. What does it say in verse 10? Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's being able to have humility and to serve each other. I like what Philippians says, look at each other uh, as better than ourselves. We, in other words, we, for us to serve somebody, we have to have humility toward them. And who are we serving? The president? No. Politicians? No. Kings? We're serving the body of Christ. With that, with that spiritual gift. That's what we're serving. And then 1 Peter, that's, that's verse 10, how we ought to be devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above yourselves. And then 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10, we've read it before. Let's read it once more. 4, 9, and 10 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So even if it's teaching, if it's leading, if it's whatever it is, even if it's a leadership role, you're using that role to serve others in the body as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Notice it's going to be in various forms. So, so each of us, are, God the Holy Spirit is going to give us special instruction on how to use our spiritual gifts. Because it's his grace in its various forms. Okay, so that's, we're in point 11. So that was then serve, right? Then teach, right? If it's teaching, well, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to teach. Well, what are you going to teach if you're going to teach? You, teach? you teach the new age information. That's what you teach. It's not going to be the Old Testament, the law, you know, some features of the law, you know. You, you, if you're going to teach, if God the Holy Spirit, who is all about the Father's eternal purpose, if he gives you a gift to teach, you can bet it's going to be about the Father's eternal purpose. It's going to be the mystery doctrine that has been hidden and now is revealed. So we read, already read Ephesians 3, 9, and 10. Um, well, I'll read it again. No, we didn't read the whole thing, but let's go. Ephesians 3. 9 says, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, notice, through the church, 
How he's going to make this information plain? Through the church. And what is he calling it? The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So this information, it's not just, oh, let me tell you about uh, the law or dietary restrictions or something. Or let me tell you how you should get along with relationships or what, what should you, how should you feel? Oh, you, you were defeated today. You lost faith. Oh, this, no, your objective is to teach the word. The word of God. So that people know the Father's eternal purpose. All that other stuff that people are talking about. If you're in this situation, then do this. If, in, if you're in that situation, then do that. Do you, are you single? Are, are you married? How do you get along? And all these things are secondary when it comes to learning the Father's eternal purpose. This is all and, all, and it, for everyone that we need this information. Okay, so that was teaching. Of course, of course it's going to be the doctrines of the mystery so that we can grow up according to the Father's eternal purpose. If it's to give encouragement, give encouragement to who? Anybody? Or just, we're just an encouraging person? No, it's to the body of Christ. And that means to build them up. Look at verse 11, Romans where we are, 12, 11, it says, uh, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Notice, by doing this, you are serving the Lord. By serving people, the people because you have a gift in this area, you're serving the Lord. You're a steward of the gifts of God. You're responsible. Okay, and that, so that's giving encouragement. And then there's 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What does that say? 1 Corinthians 14 and 26 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word or an instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up or edified. Same thing. That's important. It's about building up the church. It's about the edification of the body. Then give generously. And give to who? Should we give to all these different uh, people with their hands out in the world? It's just because people are asking for you to give money? And you, it's your money. You get to do what you want with it. But when it comes to this... When it comes to the gift of giving, God expects you to use that for the body. I don't I don't I shouldn't have to emphasize that, I hope. It's important that we give to the body. Look at verse thirteen uh, in Romans twelve. Let me read it. It says Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And he's talking about to the Lord's people. Listen, it was tough in the early church. That's why when traveling ministers would come and people would have them, they would put them up. They didn't have any place to stay. There weren't hotels, no Hiltons or Ramada Inns or any of those places. But believers opened up their doors and welcomed these people, let them stay, and gave them housing and hospitality. 
So God put it on their hearts to do that. So um, let's keep it going. Do it, where are we? Do it cheerfully, right? This is treating the body of Christ with humility. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we, oh, so leading. If, if we're leading, we do it diligently. And that means to provide unprecedented direction to the body of Christ. It's not just the lead in the general sense. It's leading with the thought that we're, we're leader, the leadership is expressed in us leading the Father's, through, through the Father's plan, leading others to imbibe the deep things of God. So the, ver the verse I have here is verse 13, is it? No. First uh, Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So this is Paul saying, I'm leading, but notice my leadership is not just follow me personally. I'm following Christ, so you follow my example because I'm following the example of Christ. And uh, I think that was, and then Ephesians 4.12, which talks about uh, how the pastor is, you know, is given this gift to, for others to give so that they can have works of certain build, that the body of Christ can be built up and so forth. That's leading. That's leadership. So, and then there's, um, if the last one here is show mercy, and if we have that gift, do it cheerfully. Treating the body of Christ with humility and mercy. This is uh, verse 16 and 17, Romans 12. Let's look at that. 16 and 17. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. But be willing to associate with people of a low, of low position. Do not be conceited. So that's what it means. Uh, that's a, a broader definition of of how we're supposed to show mercy, which is a, a spiritual gift. We, we are to do it in a cheerful way. Remember, the church was very divided in its early stages, and. Uh, People did look down on other believers. That was one of the things they did. They looked down and thought some people had a higher position and some people had, were second-class citizens, i.e. Gentiles. So we're going to have to save the next couple points for next week, but we'll, we'll get into the next verse. I'm sure we'll be able to handle these pretty quickly. But I did ask an intriguing question in 13. I'll let you answer it. How do you understand, I'm skipping 12, I know. How do you understand the 400 years of silence from Matthew or, or Malachi to Matthew? Silence meaning no prophecy or wit, written or canonized scripture in this period. How do you explain that? It's a question. Okay, so we're going to have to stop right now. We'll answer that question next week. Uh, or if anybody wants to answer it now, they certainly can. But uh, we'll answer it next week. And we're going to take this up. We're going to leave some time here for some Q&A. Uh, the floor is open. I believe Fred has a point to make. Or he did indicate that he had a, 
a comment. So we're going to open the floor. We're going to direct it right to Fred. Okay. Um, uh, this is in regards to the spiritual gifts, obviously. Um, the um, in in the uh, in your notes, uh, I'll just preface it by saying many searching for the purpose search without understanding the Father's eternal purpose. They may never understand how they fit in the church. They, they, they will be relegated to a life of childlessness, infants tossed back and forth by the, by the waves, and blown here and there by everyone of teaching and cunning craftiness of people into the and their deceitful scheming. So I'm not going to read it all because you read it. But what comes to my mind, uh, firstly, is... As you say, if how how can somebody talk about the Father's eternal plan if they don't understand what the Father's eternal plan is? And therefore, uh, all those that don't understand the Father's eternal plan, uh, these scriptures in the notes certainly apply to them. Uh, my other comment is is that. Um, so in regards to the church, um, if, if, you know, the Father's eternal plan goes, you know, if he, there are things that lead up to understanding what the Father's eternal plan, and if they don't even understand them, I don't see how they could understand the Father's eternal plan. Secondly, um, the question is, a believer... Um, as you mentioned last week also that the, um, all the spiritual gifts that are listed in the canon of scripture are not all the spiritual gifts. So you could have a spiritual gift that's not listed among any of those that are listed here in the Bible for the spirit. Uh, so kind of like the question is, it, it, it was initially last week, um, you know, the question is, if you've been uh, studying the Word of God and your mind has been renewed, um, there's, and you still don't understand your spiritual gift, there's certainly a, a there, there's, there's some things that point right back at you, the individual believer. And, you know, um, in other words, we need to be getting all of the Father's business and get all of the Father's business and his purpose in our life is to give us the spiritual gift to edify the body. That's uh, right. So if you don't know what the spiritual gift is, um, there is a problem that may you you also may fall into this category that read, that you read here in the beginning in your notes. That's right. So there's a couple things I said, but yeah. So it 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 requires a lot of self examination for the believer, I believe. Um, and we are clear about salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being transformed 
and growing up so that the Lord can use you um, as part of the body and working in concert with God, the Holy Spirit, for God's eternal purpose. Absolutely. Yes. I don't know if the question or just some inquiries. Uh, I think you, there may have been some questions in there, but I think you sort of uh, answered them to some degree. And yeah, I, I would agree with your comments, um, especially about, and this is a big one. Uh, unfortunately, you know, for many people, it, it looks like we're judging them because we're saying that that spiritual gifts, the true function of spiritual gifts come from a renewed mind, someone who has been transformed. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul going out with his mind not transformed, thinking that, you know, he was a Pharisee? He would have been the one telling everybody don't associate with the Gentiles. But, no, his, his leadership in this area is spiritual. It is not Paul. It's not Saul who, who just grit his you know, bite down on his, you know, on his gums and teeth and say, I'm going to bear this. I'm going to do this because God said so. It's almost like people where it says that we have joy. Joy is a byproduct of, of our going through suffering and understanding the will of God and how we're, we're working in concert with God. And that gives us joy, knowing that, having that confidence. And people, instead, of, they read that we're supposed to have joy, and they try to just manufacture it. They just, like, will put a smile on their face. And, and we're supposed to be happy, but inside, they're boiling over and doing all these backflips. But on the outside, they try to manufacture some attitude where, you know, we're supposed to be happy and smiling and all this. You know, but... It's the same thing was happening with the Pharisees when they were trying to live uh, their calling in, in the flesh. They can't. He says, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. We don't work on the outside. We work on the inside. This is where we're being transformed by the renewing of their mind. So I have here Ephesians 4. 11, it says, So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and pastor teachers. And what for? To equip God's people for works of service. So we all have works of service. But we have to be equipped in order to have, or to be able to perform those works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up and until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. So, so this is about the church becoming mature as a body. And when, when people are equipped for works of service, when we see God the Holy Spirit working in the body, we know that's a mature body. And, you know, I thought about when I made those comments about uh, we may not know what our spiritual gifts are. Or some gifts, some body functions that are very necessary are hidden to us, are behind the scenes. And yet, they, they're very supportive. Without those functions, we couldn't do the other thing. Or the person who was doing the other thing couldn't function. So, but, but they're not seen. 
So the inf so what we have to do is once we're transformed, then in order to be transformed, we have to yield to the Spirit. We have to give up our life. Jesus said it best. He who loves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. The, the way we have to lose our lives. That sounds like harsh talk. But Jesus, there was no equivocation there. He just says, well, you can just give some of it and the rest of it you keep. And then Christ didn't do that. Christ says, I'm here to give my life as a sacrifice for God. I do exactly as the Father has commanded me. I'm not going to do half the Father's will, three quarters of the Father's will. I'm here for, I'm all in. So he's saying that we have the same thought. When you look at that in Galatians 2.20, wow, that's what Paul says. I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It's not halfway. He didn't say I'm still alive in some areas, and but the other area. No, the, the whole thing, Paul said, that's how it works. So for us to be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, it is an all-or-nothing proposition. Now, of course, we don't get to that. It is a gradual surrender. We don't even know what we're supposed to surrender until we, we learn what it is we're supposed to surrender. So it's a gradual process to get to the place where we understand the Father's purpose. We're able to look away from ourselves, our purposes, our thoughts. Right? Walk, we are walking by faith and not by sight. And that God, the Holy Spirit, will continue to lead and influence us into whatever our spiritual gift is. It will be like if you see a stream, I don't know if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, and there are all these, these waters going to the falls. See, them, that's, there's a force there. If you jump in that water, <laughs> you are going to be carried along by the water, by that stream. It's not even a stream. It's more than that. But there's a, the, the power of the water. You don't have to dictate it or say, that I'm going to swim according to this way. No. All you got to do is get in. And God does the rest. He takes you. He just takes you. And you, you, he'll, you will figure out and function according to your gift if you're yielded to the Spirit. So it's not, it's to say that each of us has a part. It is not for us to worry about what part we play, but we are to be responsible to the yielding and the influence of the Spirit. That's what the filling of the Spirit is all about. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Be influenced by the Spirit. That is the normal Christian life, to be influenced by the Spirit. Now, being influenced by the Spirit, there's a lot of things that will happen to you, right? We will, he will guide us into all truth. Well, that's being able to understand the new age and its implications and the Father's eternal purpose, all that. But more than that, you will also come to understand how you function in the body, the grace that has been given to each of us. You'll be able to understand how you best can contribute to the body of Christ. You will understand that. So this is something internal. It is the responsibility of each of us. Not so much to, to say, okay, I'm going to figure out what my spiritual gift is. No, your responsibility is to grow up in Christ. 
to, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's your number one responsibility. So these other things are a byproduct of that. They're a result of us becoming transformed to the understanding of the Father's purpose. I hope we have made that point. And when we talk about being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every teaching, yes, if you don't know what the Father's plan is, you don't, that, that is your, you are childish. And that is the thought. you going from one emotional speech, one, one positive speech to the next. And this minister comes and he says it that way. Oh, that just... That's, he just And you were emotional about it, but then you come right crashing right back down. Emotion can't carry you. It is the teaching of this new age by means of the spirit of truth. It's not about emotion. We're not here to have emotional experiences. We're here to have spiritual experiences. And there's a difference there. So... Yes, the, we can make those comments. We can say, if you don't know what the Father's plan is, you're spinning your wheels. You're, you're going nowhere fast. The only place you're gonna, that you, you, are even, you care about getting to is your own plans, your own ambitions. But even if you got you, the ambitions, if you were successful in the life that you had in Adam, it's going to be empty when it comes to fulfilling your purpose in Christ. You won't you you'll be like a fish out of water. You you won't that is not who you are anymore. You are dead to that life. Put to death therefore the things that are in the body, it says. So I I'll pause. Following comment any follow up comments? I know we're we're late into the hour, but Let's open the floor up for any follow-up comments, thoughts, spiritual gifts, anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking about, uh, you know, the gifts were a great asset and attribute to the church. But let's say um, someone who understands the spiritual gifts and what they're meant and who they are to be used upon, when you look at Society in the world today, you gotta go any, any, mighty moment. You don't, you don't know if you're dealing with someone who understands the truth or not. So how do you flex your, your spiritual gifts, um, sparingly when we have such a diverse of uh, religious background in the world? Good question, good question. But a couple things to think about, as we'll now try to go over them quickly. Um, our first objective is to, uh, to, for people, is to come to the knowledge of salvation, right? So to have the proper foundation in Christ. This is what the book was all about, to try to help people, one reader at a time, to get that foundation, so that once they have the proper foundation, they can build on that. And now, of course, as we as believers, with various spiritual gifts, can be very helpful. Look, if you know the Father's eternal purpose, you can, you can now help that person. You can help them when it comes to salvation. You can preach the gospel. You can be the ambassador of Christ. 
that we have that role, as everybody has that role. But, you know, prerequisite there is how are you going to function according to the Master of Christ if you don't know the gospel? <laughs> you have to know the gospel in order to be able to function according to that. So that's the first objective, salvation and the foundation. And then we can build upon it. Now, the pastor, God gave those, those gifts so that he could, they could build up the body. But teaching is, you know, just like we were saying about giving. Teaching is everybody who knows can teach. Everybody who is able to teach can teach. If you know, you can teach. So you're not going to teach. And it's going to be clear. If a person says they're saved, then we can talk about the foundation. Let's talk about it. If they can't talk about the foundation, if they don't have the foundation, then we got to go back to what is salvation? What, what did God save us from? Why, why did he save us? And so forth. Uh, who were we in Adam and all that? We can go through, once we get past that, then we can start talking about what it is uh, we're doing in this particular age, the mystery and all that. We could, we could see if they know what the Father's eternal purpose is. And you're going to know whether or not they know it. You know why? Because all somebody got to do is touch you and ask you if you know it. Man, I can imagine rivers of, of things will f flow out of you. you. You don't have, would you be like, well, I don't know, I don't know. No, you would know it and you would want to talk about it. Just like when it comes to salvation, you want to talk about it. It's not something you say, well, I don't, I don't want to say because I don't want people to know what I don't know. No, you want to talk about it. Because it's, it's exciting, it's a spiritual journey that we're all on. So, yeah, you're going to find people in the world. And you're going to be able to evaluate them by looking and talking to them. And we don't start out with the deeper things of God or any of that. We just start out with the gospel. And understanding the foundation, right? Let's make sure we hash out all of the legalism and the self-worth and, you know, the repentance of sins and all that. I was listening to somebody today. They were like, oh, it's all about grace. It's all about this. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it, this and that. But then he said, but you've got to turn away from your sins. I'm like, what? How can you say that? That's a contradiction. Right there in your presentation of the gospel. How are you going to turn away from your sins? When you just said it was all free, it does, it's a gift, it's not of works, not, not even works done in righteousness, not, none of that. Even our sins, all of them are paid for. Christ was judged for our sins, all of them. And we believe in Christ. <laughs> so adding all that, there's a whole lot to sort out there for people. So we, we're going to find people out there in all these various stages of spiritual growth. And God has equipped you. If you know, then it is incumbent upon you. It is, you're responsible to him for, as a steward of what he has blessed you with in terms of spiritual gifts. You're responsible for it. And you will function according to it. And you don't have to do anything special, but allow God, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide you. He will give you whatever you need to perform whatever he wants you to do. Yeah. I'll pause, Bill.
yeah, I mean, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. It's just, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, if you know your spiritual gift, I guess it's easy to not cast your pearls amongst the swine. You, you understand where people are coming from. You're not, not wasting your energy. Absolutely. So that if you, was just a, a thought. Yeah, if you know if you know the Father's eternal purpose, you know you didn't get there by mistake. <laughs> that you got there because God the Holy Spirit led you there. And you're going to be able to evaluate those who don't know it. Once you know something, you can see. It's just like if in your profession and you evaluate my work, you're going to know that I'm just as qualified and have the wisdom... Yeah, let me stop. <laughs> no, if I'm a novice at, at what at what you do, you're gonna easily know that, aren't you? You you're gonna look at me doing the work and yeah. you say, "What is in the world is he doing it that way for?" And I'm not gonna know it, but you're gonna know it because you have the wisdom, and you're gonna be able to say, "Tell me exactly what I need to do to move forward." in the same way in the spiritual life. It's because you know it, you have wisdom about this area. You're able to instruct others easily. You have the wisdom. So that's where the transformation comes in. That's why we give ourselves to that. We become students of the word. We become disciplined when it comes to the teaching and the understanding of the word. The building up of, of what God has given us when it comes to who we are in Christ and what are the benefits. Becoming fluent in that. Just like you will be fluent and they say, well, that, boy, that, that Bill is good on his job, man. He knows his job. Well, that's what you're going to be when God finishes with you when it comes to the transformation of mind. You're going to notice stuff. And it's not because you're smart. It's because God the Holy Spirit is working in you. You become a spring of living water when it comes to this. Just gushing up. So this, this is where we are. But we're going to have to continue and talk more about this next week. I know I'm five minutes over. So we're going to close. But thank you guys for the questions and thoughts and comments. And we'll continue this thought next week. And we'll get to that 400-year period thing that we talked about. Let's bow our heads as we close. Father, thank you for this time we've had uh, to, to be focused on your word. The hope is, Father, that we, uh, when we look back at these words, that we will have wisdom regarding these words and understanding. We thank you for the teaching of the word, and we, we pray that you will continue to lead and guide us into all truth. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.